1: Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night, the 29th day of August 2021. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is with us across the way. We have a great Mets show coming your way up first. We hope to talk to former Mets outfielder. Uh, he really played for several teams Mike Cameron will join us. We're having trouble reaching him right now, so we're going to keep trying. In the second half, though, we'll welcome in former Mets pitcher Pat Zachary, who came over from the Reds in the Seaver trade. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy the show tonight on WGBB. As always, some great sports memories up ahead tonight. Social media, I always uh, mention that. First off, Facebook page is WGBB Sports Talk New York. There you'll find show information, sports information, and more. So stop by, give it a look. Then you can give it a like. You can also follow us on LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. B Donahue, B-D-O-N-O-H-U-E, W-G-B-B. And if you miss a show, don't worry about it, because all past shows can be heard on our website. They're cataloged out there, so you can take a listen anytime you want. So we don't have Mike Cameron uh, with us uh, right now, so what we're going to do is uh, talk a little bit about Jerry Kuzman. Jerry, is, as you probably know by now, has uh, had his number retired, number 36 by the New York Mets yesterday, uh, a very deserved honor for Coos, and uh, he's uh, played in the major leagues for the Mets, the Twins, the White Sox, and the Phillies, between sixty-seven and eighty-five. Best known, of course, as a member of the Miracle Mets that won the sixty-nine series. Take a look. Do we, I think we we have Mike Cameron with us. Okay, let's get to Mike, our our first guest played for a bunch of teams over a 16-year career. He was an all-star and a three-time Gold Glove winner. In 2002, Mike became the 13th player to hit four homers in a game. Also, his all-star year was 2001, and he won the Gold Glove in 2001, 3, and 6. He has distinguished himself by being only one of 22 players in the history of the game, to have at least two hundred and fifty homers and two hundred and fifty stolen bases. And he became the twentieth member of that two fifty club. Uh just uh I forget what year it was we we'll last Mike. Cameron is only the only major league baseball player to hit two runs in the same game with eight separate teams. So we're happy to welcome tonight Mike Cameron. Mike, good evening.
0: Thank you for the introduction um in my short 17 year career uh i was able to play for like you said numerous of teams and one of them teams had to be the uh new york metropolitan
1: exactly
0: you know uh it was uh kind of a short lived situation for me although i signed up for four years but you know i'm grateful for the two years of experience i got a chance to play in uh queens man in old queens
1: exactly Exactly. Now, you grew up in Georgia, Mike. Back then, who were your teams and who were your heroes as a kid?
0: Uh, well, obviously, growing up in Georgia, um, you know, on TBS, getting a chance to see the Braves a oh, lot. Oh yeah, right. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, I grew up in an age when they used to have uh, Monday Night Baseball on ABC, so I got a chance to see like Cincinnati play a lot, Pittsburgh, and also I got a chance to see. Um, uh, at that time, you know, Ricky Henderson. Right. And so, uh, obviously, Ricky Henderson is a icon for the game in itself
1: mm-hmm. and for many
0: guys or whatever, but uh, to be able to get a chance to see that and then branching out as I got older to see a uh, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Eric Davis, um, and many more guys, you know, as I got a chance to get in my teen years to be able to see this on TV every single day.
1: Right, you had the opportunity, Mike, to play with some great ones. Uh, you you went to Seattle from the Reds, I believe, and uh, for Ken Griffey Jr., you were traded, right?
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, um. Yes, yeah, so I got traded in the winter of. I guess not. It wasn't winter. I mean, it was basically the winter of 2000. two thousand. Two thousand, right? Yeah. Literally. literally Two weeks before spring training, I was actually headed to uh, my arbitration case down in Sarasota, Florida, and I got a call on February 9th and said that you're going to be traded for the great one, Kendrick yeah, Jr. the kid. Yeah, man, and, and that kind of created a lot of anxiety for me. Uh, you know, arguably, <laughs> yeah. arguably the best player in the game at that particular time.
1: Right. Now, now you're game-tying home run record. That was uh, May second, two thousand two. You're only the fifteenth player in Major League Baseball history to do this, and you your fifth at bat, I'm going to tell the folks you hit one to the warning track and you just missed it.
0: Yeah, it was cold in May, so yeah. Uh, I mean, just you know, like that. That just I don't even I, I, like as far as hitting the homers. I have no idea. That particular day, what was going on, what transpired, but I was just able to um, literally be locked in for basically six at bats. Yeah, and you know, and to get the ball in the air that many times um, um, is just something special that really doesn't happen. Obviously, by on May second of two thousand and two, me just becoming a thirteen player. And the first player since Rocky Calavito in 1957 just kind of goes to show you how special it is. Wow. In the American League. Yeah, Rocky
1: Calavito. There's a name for you folks. The great yeah. Rocky Calavito. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. now so, you, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, obviously in the National League, it had been done already with hard-hitting Mark Whitten. Right. Think well, I think it was 93 or 94. Last time he did it, or whatever. So I'm not. I don't recall his. I just know the history. Right. Of, on my hard That's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now
1: 2004 is when you come to Queens, Mike. Uh, you uh-huh. got a nice contract, a three-year contract to play for the Mets. They have Beltron in, in center field, so you moved over to right. How'd you feel about that?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I got a chance to be signed under Jim Duquette. And um, right, um, and after that, I think the, you know I played that first year, and uh, you know I was—I uh, mean, I was still a gold glove caliber guy, obviously, just winning the gold glove the mm-hmm. year before. I didn't win it in uh, Queens or whatever, uh, which was a, a really unique season as far as it was going on. Um, but I tell you, it was uh, just special in a sense to be able to. Experience that particular uh, city, that particular energy, that particular um, just like the the support, or I mean, any way you look at it. You know, I've never gotten really booed at home until I played in <laughs> Shea Stadium. Oh yeah, they'll, and, they'll boo you. They're booing, they're booing,
1: yeah, they're booing I mean, Baez and uh, Francisco Lindor right now. <laughs> Yeah, but as long as
0: you understood, like once I understood they were booing John Glavin, I met Tom Glavin, yeah. they were booing Johnny Franco, they were booing Mike Piazza. <laughs> yeah, I'm right, I, like I understood it, but you know, the passion, the passion that they presented in, in itself, uh, obviously you knew that. And then once you understand, you know, it's it's those are fanatics who are very passionate about their club and how they play and how you perform. I never had any problem because if it was just about, you know, the results, and that's, that's one thing. That's gonna happen each and every day, e- each and every other day. Uh, but, you know, playing with some energy and, you know, being, you know, running out every ball and doing those type of things like that or whatever it is and, and, and having a little respect for yourself. Uh, the people respect that. Um, yeah, you're right. you know, when I, and once I, once I got traded over, you know, once I got moved, when Beltran signed over, uh, obviously we knew, I mean, for him to get $119 million, we, we knew the obvious choice was either I get traded or me. Uh, moving to right field and um, me coming off of uh, the wrist injury that I had, I played with pretty much the whole season, and um, you know, it's coming off my sixth, fifth, or sixth twenty twenty season, that was a thirty, that was a thirty twenty season. So, um, and and you know, just coming off of that and, and gaining National League experience and um, just kind of doing everything, man. Uh, I knew that if I played right field. I looked at it from this this situation, Cliff Floyd in left field, uh, Carlos Beltran in center, and Mike Cameron in right. Uh, we were on our way to be possibly competing with the Braves in the, uh I don't know about the Phillies, but obviously the Braves, right. Braves were the cream of the crop at that particular time. And, you know, compete against those guys, and we got some, you know, we had a pretty good team. That was a great
1: yeah. outfield. It sure was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And, I, and um, I thought it very unselfish of you to move to, to right field. That that was uh, very unselfish of you, Mike.
0: Yeah, you know, it was either, hey, you know, I know I can still play center field. If this is what y'all want to do. Because at first I was like, hey, why don't he move to right field?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and But, you know, 119 million reasons why he didn't have to move to right field uh, until it was later in his career. But I obviously um, got the experience, um, you know, playing right field. Because I had played a little right field when I first came to the big leagues because it wasn't my time to play center field because Lance Johnson was playing center field. Okay. So that was kind of like the way they went about that. Well, and, what uh, was he, yeah. Num- number one dog? Was that his name, yeah, Lance Johnson? Yes. One yeah, dog, <laughs> you know, one dog played in New York, too. So yeah, he know, did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I am, uh, I'm forever grateful, man, for the opportunity of playing in New York City and getting a chance to uh, experience that. Uh, I still have some long-life friends in uh, New York City, man, because of the experience I got there, and uh, I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. Um, you know, just to talk about them a little bit, they are, you know, they're changing. They're in a different, different space right now, mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying to get themselves uh, over the hump, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And uh but you know, um, they 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 have some good young players and uh get some good players but obviously they need a little bit of help right now and it doesn't help having DeGrom and Syndergaard on the on the uh, disabled list.
1: Not at all. Yeah, that hurt, that really hurts, Mike. But uh th- I just wanted to say if they love you here, they're going to love you uh a lot. And and if if they don't like something that you do, you strike out a couple of times they're going to let you know. <laughs>
0: That's the way they are That's, here. Yeah. Yeah, most, uh, you know, once once you get accustomed to it then you you, you you be fine, you know, once you get accustomed to you know what it is like to play there. And once I saw how they were, you know, you know how they did Piazza, Johnny Franco and Tom Glavine and you know, uh, Al Leiter, <laughs> I was cool. I was like, okay, these guys been forever. Yeah, this two, two
1: Hall of Famers, uh Glavine and Piazza getting booed, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, once I learned that, I was actually okay. I was
1: actually okay. Yeah, Francisco Lindor has spoken about that many times, about getting booed at home. It's something new for him that he has to go through, too. And I think he came to an understanding about it. So uh, as long as, like you said, as long as you you know where they're coming from, then you're okay with it when you see what's going on with, with other guys.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, You know, you dare to play baseball, you know. Some of you just had to to weed it out. But also, on the flip side of that, I also got a chance to get a standing ovation. I also got a chance to, you know, hit some walk-off home runs and participate in that matter. So, you know, like, there's nothing like that, that experience in playing, you know, in old Shea. um,
1: Old Shea, right, yeah.
0: Getting that, 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 uh, that, that opportunity. And then, you know, I got myself hurt in 2005, and that was kind of the, the change of the guard because
1: yeah talk uh, about that a little bit mike there you collided with beltron right
0: yeah and uh it was august and uh i uh we were playing in san diego and we was in a nice little race and uh we were probably like two or three games maybe four back from the wild card so to speak and maybe a few games out behind uh uh, the Braves and I went for a ball in short right field and Beltran came in. We both were aggressive, um, as center fielders and center fielder mindset. And I dove a split second for him and he dove right with me and we, we dove into like the, the twi- I guess to call it the twilight zone of baseball and like that little triangle where <laughs> yeah. anything can happen, especially on a sunny day in San Diego. And, uh, he hit me perfectly right by my jawline and broke. My face basically in half, and you know, oh man, it's just something. Yeah, you you, you know, have to be taken off
1: on a stretcher, Mike.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's I bad. I, I mean, they thought I broke my neck because it knocked me out and I couldn't control myself as we both were diving. Oh, uh, you just man. don't normally get two guys rid of that far, that fast, that big and strong, uh, and diving into each other. You know, unless you're playing football with pads on. So, yeah. Um, You know, just unfortunate, man. Um, uh, That gave me, you know, that could have been my career. Not all my career. It probably could have ended my life the way my neck was or whatever. But obviously um, going through that and the rehab and the time and everything that took into that almost a year and a half, uh, just trying to get my body back in shape mentally, physically and mentally, uh, to be able to go back on a baseball field, um, that was um, probably the turning point of my career. But I've always been very grateful to be able to put a jersey on uh, with my name on the back of it that represents my family, mm-hmm. and uh, and that right there, you know, really took it to a whole nother level.
1: We're speaking with Mike Cameron tonight on the program. Now you you left Seattle in in four. You come mm-hmm. back in six. The people loved you in Seattle.
0: Well, uh, you, well, you, I, 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 so I left Seattle in, in 2000, so after the 2003 season, I played two seasons in New York, and I get hurt, and I get traded to San Diego, uh, but I actually had went back to Seattle playing with the Mets, but I was hurt at that time yeah. uh, in 2005, and I think I hurt my knee or something. It was like all swollen up or whatever, uh, but you know, yeah, like, I mean, look, the run that I uh, had in Seattle and the opportunity that I had, uh, is like no other. I mean, it's, I'm, you know, like, that was the only thing we didn't accomplish was win a championship there. We had uh championship caliber team, but we couldn't beat the New York Yankees
1: right, in a that, couple of years. That was years a problem, and yeah. Didn't,
0: and then in 02 I think we lost, we finished third in the division with 96 wins or 93 wins. And um because the two teams in front of us won a hundred games and uh the next year in two thousand and three, I think that Oakland went on a streak that year and Anaheim were still good. They were the World Series champs in two thousand two, remember? Oh yeah. And uh and uh O three I think that we just man, we we had two teams that put up two twenty game win streaks late in the year and they caught us and you know, we were left out again with 93 and I think we went 93 and 69. So, uh, just really tough, man. Bittersweet. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, if nothing else, I thought we had a great opportunity in 2001, uh, to, to finally beat the Yankees and, uh, really compete against them. But they were just, they were tough. They had, we didn't perform well in the, uh, ALCS and, uh, at Father Soriano had some clutch hits and they had great pitching at yeah. the same time.
1: That was tough. Seattle couldn't get over the hump. But uh, you certainly uh, were loved by the fans out there. They give you a standing ovation when you come back. Uh, do you remember your 250th home run, Mike?
0: Uh, yes. My 250th home run was uh, a Sunday night game in Minnesota.
1: Wow. You, uh, you got just, all this stuff down, Mike.
0: You, you got a great I, memory. I just remember it now because of the moments I didn't know that, you know, I just knew the 250 homer was coming up, but I didn't know at that particular time that I was becoming the 19th player in the history. Uh, hold on, I don't even know if it was 19, maybe 20th. Maybe 19th. you were
1: the 20th. Oh,
0: the 20th player in yeah. the history to go have at least 250 homers and 250 stolen bases, and uh, you know we we got our butt smoked that particular day. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm grateful for that moment, man, because. Uh, um, uh, to be able to have that type of longevity, to be able to, you know, a little guy out of LaGrange, Georgia, 18th round draft pick, to be able to play that many years, to be able to put those kind of numbers up, was uh, pretty special at the time, man. And, uh, you know, once again, I'm forever grateful for the moments that I got a chance to do those type of things. And, you know, uh, and then the next level was the 300, 300 level, and I came up a little short because my body just kind of gave out of gas.
1: Yeah well you had a very fine career, Mike, as you said, yeah a kid coming out of Georgia like that uh you got to be very happy with that and you actually left with Seattle you retired retired as a mariner, and mm-hmm. uh, you got to throw out the first pitch at the home opener, which is great. what an honor that was
0: uh yeah, you know I've done that a numerous time numerous of times now, but obviously when I all the retirement and actually put it, you know, they were able to put me in position to um, uh, retire there. And throughout the first pitch, I learned that I would never wear dress shoes uh, throwing out the first pitch because I almost blew out my hamstring oh, because um, man. i man, broke, broke my, you know, broke my, broke my hamstring throwing at the first pitch.
1: Well, you, you didn't do as bad as, uh, 50 Cent did here in New York. And guys like that, Baba Bowie from the Howard Stern Show, it was like they were throwing a shot put. And, uh, <laughs> it went about 50 feet from the catcher, uh, you know, on the, on the, uh, either side of the catcher. Well, at least you didn't do that. You didn't, you didn't, you're not on YouTube for, for that, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I'm not, I'm not that bad. You know, like, I'm yeah. sure to you know, like I'm a baseball player. I ain't going to embarrass myself. That's no. Sure. That, now, you, you do a
1: lot with kids. You wrote a kid's book uh, mm-hmm. where you, you present the importance of teamwork, which you certainly know, and you described that mm-hmm. in your life. Uh, that that was by our friends at Triumph Books, and you're involved in a lot of uh, charities. You have your own foundation, Cam for Kids?
0: Uh, yeah, but it's no longer Cam for Kids now. We changed it up. Uh, um... Uh, after that one, kind of like went a little bit defunct, I guess. Um, okay. After I was, uh, playing, but uh, we tried to revive that one, but they wouldn't allow me to do it. So um, I have a, uh, I still have a foundation, and I also have a opportunity to, um, uh, uh, to do some things in foundational way now with Mike Cameron Baseball Academy Foundation. Now, so uh, you know, so I'm I'm definitely good on that. Yeah, you you always had time
1: for the kids to sign autographs and talk with people before the game, uh, r- really sharing that experience. And I know as a kid, uh, something like that stays with you forever. And uh, you certainly did that with kids. I, I want to ask you, uh, speaking of kids, how is Daz doing?
0: Uh, actually, he is right now down in he got he got auctioned down because. Um, Matt Boyd was coming back to pitch today. He had some ah, options. okay. And uh, so, but he's doing okay. He's going to probably be down there for about ten days or so, and uh, just kind of get some things worked out. Um, he, he he was he was playing well, you know, a Father's Day, and he got hurt, and um, I think he hurt his like he had a um, oh, what do you call it? He had a uh, turf toe injury or whatever. And turf,
1: yeah, turf kind toe, of, okay. Kind of, you
0: know, it took some a away from me. Probably missed about three weeks or whatever. And when you're a young player, missing that much time is, is really tough. And you're competing for time. And, um, you know, you're going to stress a little bit as a young player, but I think he's going to be okay, though. He'll be back up there to get some things worked out.
1: For folks that don't know, we're talking about Daz Cameron, who is Mike's son, and he's in the uh, Detroit Tigers organization and, and doing pretty well. Now, Mike, I want to ask you, throughout your career, who was your best manager?
0: That goes to the... I mean, I've had some great managers, obviously playing 17 years in eight different teams.
1: Right. You came across uh, a, a lot.
0: Yeah, each each one had his own particular thing that they were good at. Um, Lou Pinello obviously kind of laid a, a foundation in me as far as a young player, as my fourth-year player, or whatever it was, uh, getting with him and – Learning a lot about the game, uh, teaching the game. You know, not only was he, a, he was a fiery manager, he was a teacher, he was a hitting coach, he was everything, man. And, uh, he was really good for me at a time that I thought that I was going to be like overly stressed out playing and trying to replace a guy in King Griffey Jr. Uh, he made it really easy for me. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm forever grateful for him. I learned so much in the, in the, I only played under him three years and, the next year, I had Bob Mevin because remember, Luke Piniella got traded to Tampa. Right. He went.
1: He went to the Rays. He he throw a base pretty far too, Mike. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Oh yeah. He put his. Sweet Tampa Lou. He put his he put his house the day he did that.
1: Oh man, that's terrible. Oh boy, but, but yeah, he, he had some great stops along the way, and he's gonna come up for Hall of Fame mention, I believe, one day, because, uh, Sweet Lou had a good career.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And, uh, as a player too, he wasn't too shabby. He was, he was a good ball player no, no. With, with the Royals and the Yankees, uh, really good. And uh Not at all. that's about all the time we have Mike I, it's a pleasure having you with us you, you did a great job and uh, good memory of a, a lot of dates and, and stats I thank you for taking the time out of your Sunday night to spend some of it with us uh, up here in New York
0: alright thank you, thank you so much
1: dude. you take care that's uh, Mike Cameron folks we will be right. back on Sports Talk New York we'll welcome in former Mets pitcher Pat Zachary So stick around.
0: You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And
1: now, back to the show. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with Sports Talk New York on WGBB from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. I hope you had a great weekend. We had some rain, but all in all, pretty good uh, we all watched last evening, as I mentioned, uh, before Mike Cameron came on with us. Uh, the Mets have been criticized a lot for not honoring their past. And uh, they did some work uh, to alle- alleviate that particular part of the- their uh, criticism by retiring the number six of Jerry Kuzman. And uh, he was a former teammate of our next guest. uh really nice ceremony they had. He threw out the first pitch to uh, Wayne Garrett. The, the third baseman on the 69 and 73 team. But right now we're going to keep the sports memories rolling along with our next guest. He pitched in major league baseball from 76 to 85 and he's likely remembered best as one of the players sent to the Mets from the Reds in the the infamous midnight massacre as we said a teammate of jerry kuzman's it's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight pat zachary pat good evening
2: thank you how are you guys
1: ah we're doing okay up here not bad how's the weather down in texas
2: well right now it's just absolutely beautiful a little bit of a cloud cover it's only about mid-80s uh, as opposed to near 100, like it's been in the, uh, most years. Wow! We've had so much rainfall this year. Yeah. Uh, the whole state is just as green as can be, and it's uh, it's been a very, very pleasant spring.
1: You're, you're not getting any and, of uh, the uh, the rains from Hurricane Ida, are you?
2: No, we no. not yet. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's well, coming up here too. She's time,
1: she's going to hit us probably oh, later guess. in the week.
2: Yeah, uh, we've got some ominous-looking clouds over, but uh, nothing has let go yet. Good. But, uh, you know, that just takes the heat away, so nobody minds that much at all around here.
1: No, I can can bet. Now, as we said, you're from Texas. Who are your childhood teams and heroes?
2: Uh, Of course, always the Yankees. Oh, yeah, everybody says the Yankees, yeah. Loved, loved Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra and Whitey Ford and and just about anybody else that was on that team. And uh, when I was a nineteen year old and I was in instructional ball with Cincinnati, we took a ride to Fort Lauderdale to play the Yankees farm team. Right and uh, as the bus was pulling into the locker room area for the visitors, I looked out into the outfield, and uh, don't remember Whitey Ford's number. Sixteen. But next to, what was it? Sixteen. Sixteen, okay, there was, there was uh, two numbers out there, and I saw number seven.
1: Oh, man. And then, then
2: uh, I, I fixated on it. I, I grabbed the ball from the equipment man, and uh, my roommate and I walked out there and I very timidly uh, said, excuse me, Mr. Mantle, could I please have your autograph? And he looked at me with a stare that would uh, have melted ice.
1: Oh, boy. But
2: he did sign it and very graciously put on there to Pat Best Wishes Mickey Mantle. And uh, kind of slammed it into my hand and turned around and resumed watching whatever was going on, you know, two fields away.
1: Well, that uh,
2: I, I still don't know if that was Whitey Ford next to him. I think it was, but uh, I had no idea, no clue.
1: There's a famous uh, there's story Mickey about and, uh, Go
2: ahead, and uh, uh, I guess Sandy Koufax. Yeah and uh, having the, the pleasure of meeting him and getting to work with him through the Dodger organization later on. Uh, what a nice guy. What a truly nice guy and a great pitcher. Right.
1: Well, we, we have a, a great story about Mickey Mantle, about signing things, Pat. It goes that uh, Mickey Mantle died and, and went to heaven. And when he went to heaven, God said to him, well, Mickey, you did a lot of carousing, you did a lot of drinking back there. Unfortunately, you can't stay here. you got to go to the other place. But before you go, can you sign this dozen balls for me?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Only a dozen.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, the, Mick signed a lot of things. Man, uh, he he was far, fairly gracious with people, uh, at card shows. Uh, that's where I got him at a card show, and he was pretty yeah. nice. Well, you're laying down some cash for it, so that that's why it, it eases the pain of signing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Those
1: now, things are always a lot of fun. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, you get to you rub elbows with the fans. It, it's that it must be pretty good for an athlete to do that. Now, the 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 Reds dealt Clay Kirby to the Expos for Bob Bailey in order to make room in their rotation for you.
2: Well, see, that's a lot of the behind the scenes things that I was unaware of.
1: Ah, okay. Uh,
2: Clay was uh, Clay was a real uh, very good relief pitcher and uh well, i'm no i'm sorry i was thinking of clay carroll oh yeah but, uh, clay carroll clay yeah Kirby was also a good pitcher yeah and you know these were some of the things that i i was either unaware of or just did not pay attention to because for the most part all i was trying to do was keep my nose down and uh mind my own business and and hopefully stay out of trouble (laughs) yeah right i just wanted to make the team Well,
1: well your debut is april 11th and 76 do you remember that
2: uh no was it in chicago
1: let's see well you came out of the bullpen and uh, th- you made the starting rotation shortly after that. And it must have been in April or so. Uh, I think it was April 11th of 76 that uh, you came okay. out of the pen. And then they, they move you to the starting rotation shortly after. And uh, on May 28th, you shut out the Dodgers. And uh, you were 4-0 at a 1.17. Not too bad.
2: Um, Miracles happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <can>
1: tell you. <laughs> We're speaking with Pat Zachary tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, in, in the postseason, you had some luck with with the Reds. You uh, yes, won game two fun. of the seventy six National League Championship against the Phillies. And then in the series, you won game three of the seventy six series uh, against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And uh, that's pretty good.
2: Uh, well, it was the best team that's ever been on the field. The big red machine. Yeah. Well, nobody, unless they change the way it's done, nobody will ever pull that off. No, in so, three straight playoff games, and great players, straight World Series games. Yeah. And then you, that that was just really, really something. And we had what. Uh, Eight out of the ten pitchers uh, on the team that won ten or more games. I think something, some kind of weird statistic with the guys and the amount of games they all won. Great. Everybody had a lot of wins.
1: Then you had Bench, Perez, Morgan, Concepcion. Uh, who played third? Uh, Dennis Mankey.
2: No, Pete.
1: Pete played third. Okay, yeah, he came out of Pete the outfield. All right. Uh
2: Tony was at first, right. Morgan at second, and uh, Concepcion uh, uh, at short. You had Foster hitting fifty something home runs. Out right. Of left. Yeah. Onimo hit three hundred that year. Played center, and he had that uh, big, fat-legged, slow-running Ken Griffey Sr. out there. <laughs> <in Bryant. Yeah.
1: laughs> Ken Griffey Sr. Now, now you won. Uh, you won the
2: Rookie of the Year. Boy, kicked his boy, kicked his son off the balcony up there in Canada, and let him land on his head so he could play baseball. <laughs> yeah, the kid was ask all right about that. If, you ever, if you ever hear from Griffey again, ask him or his son about falling off the balcony up in Canada.
1: All right, I'll ask him. Uh, he's been on the show before, but I didn't know about
2: that. Okay. Yeah, I think we were on uh, a road trip in Reading, Pennsylvania, and his wife. Birdie called. Uh, Kenny slipped through the bars in the, in the on the balcony and went off and landed downstairs.
1: Oh gosh, that's terrible! Didn't
2: hurt him. Didn't hurt him. Tough <laughs> little to. Superman. Yeah. Oh
1: gosh, yeah. Nothing hurt the kid. Now, now you were co-rookie of the year. That's the first time it was a co-rookie of the year with Butch Metzger Butch in San Diego, their closer. And uh, you must have been happy winning rookie of the year. Yes. Sir. And uh, uh, you you beat Seaver. Do you remember shutting out the Mets? Uh, I think, no, you lost to Seaver, 8-0, uh, against the Mets at Shea uh your record fell to 3 and 7 with a 519 era uh Seaver meanwhile uh, that we remember he was in a con- contract dispute with M Donald Grant they used to call Shea Stadium Grant's tomb after that cuz nobody showed up so tom seaver requests a trade and then june 15th 1977 That was the Midnight Massacre. Tell us about that. What happened with you guys over in Cincinnati, Pat?
2: I was three days from getting married to the most beautiful girl on earth. Yeah. And we had made some plans. Uh, All these gifts were piling up over at Pete and Carolyn's house. And we were going to go to Justice of the Peace and then have the reception at Pete's. Well, my wife uh, had driven her little '70 Carmen Gia from Houston. Uh, This thing was a convertible too, so it blew up Oh yeah,
1: I remember those. Yeah. (laughs) uh,
2: She had one of her teaching friends that drove up to Cincinnati uh, with Sharon, and uh, I flew her back to Houston. And then uh, we were supposed to get married three days later, go to justice of peace, and just, you know, live. And uh, we walked out about the seventh inning at night, and all of a sudden the announcement's up on the left field scoreboard in Cincinnati. And, uh, Doug looked down at me and I looked back at him and we started looking at young blood and we said, well, you got traded? I got traded? Oh, wait a minute. You got traded too? Yeah. And all this stuff started happening. So when the game was over, um, I, uh, walked out and Sharon looked at me and she said, did you get traded? I said, yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, if you'll still have me, I've got to go to New York in the morning for a press conference, and I'll come back, and we'll get married, and then I'll meet you wherever. And she uh, accepted. She packed everything up, got her car shipped back to Waco, got mine sent to New York. And we got to uh, meet in Chicago the next week when the team was on a road trip uh we were going to live in will makinmony's townhouse and so that became available again for will i don't know what he did with that but he had been traded during the off season and uh so it, it was a uh, yeah it was a crazy time but yeah it really upset your life well it did but then again uh like i said we had, we had a, an amazing relationship for all those years.
1: Yeah, that's for sure.
2: Uh, she was a marvelous person. She was a Educator of the Year for this entire state twice. Nice. Twice in a five-year period uh, and then retired. So you know, it just, I don't know. Uh, circumstances being what they are, I don't believe in fates. But uh, that was just a, i still haven't resolved it in my head. Uh, yeah. I don't guess I ever will.
1: We're speaking of Pat Zachary tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, on July 24th, the Reds come to Shea. Pete Rose has got a 36-game hitting streak. And you are pitching to him. You held him hitless in the first three at-bats, but the fourth time he got you. That's Pete. Yeah. And uh, he broke Tommy Holmes' National League record. And uh, four batters later, you get pulled and Kevin Koble comes in. And then you go in the dugout frustrated. And what happens?
2: Uh kicked out a helmet, and I missed it. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Uh, I just crushed a bone in my foot.
1: Oh, man.
2: And uh, that basically, for the next year and a half, cost me all that about the next two years before I got back to where I was normal again. Uh, the next year I was pitching, but uh, my elbow became inflamed, and they had to do the old nerve surgery. And so it was just a succession of things until I finally got healthy in about uh, 81. Right. And uh, then I was pitching good, and then we went out on strike, uh, which was, to me, not that big a deal, because that night I went home after pitching, uh, I believe it was Cincinnati. And I think I got beat 3 to 2 in New York and went home that night and started writing down the times that Sharon was having her contractions. Mm -hmm. And uh, at 10 o'clock, the first day of the strike, my oldest child was born, my son.
1: And you got got to be there.
2: uh, For the next 40 days, my mother and dad had driven up in a trailer camper and uh, they were there every morning, every afternoon and night. And we had just an, an idyllic uh, 40 days. It just was uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, we bought a house out in Greenwich and uh, had a river and two ponds right next to uh, Whitney Wildlife Refuge. And it was just just gorgeous, really nice.
1: Nice. Pat Zachary's with us on the program tonight. Now, how did the guys treat you when you came over from Cincinnati, Pat? Uh, guys like Kuzman and uh, the rest of the Mets. How, how did they treat you, Doug Flynn? How how, how were they uh, with you guys?
2: They treated us fine. Yeah. You know, okay. They had all been in the same boat more or less at some point in their career. The Mets had uh, so many... Uh, good young pitchers: uh, Jackson, Todd, right, uh, Rick Baldwin. Uh, gosh, who else? Uh, Tom Hausman, Kevin Coble came in there. Uh, uh, oh, there's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, if I had a few minutes, I could pull them out. But
1: uh, was Hank Webb in that we, in man, that group? was that Hank Webb was he in with that group Hank well he must have been uh, no no he was earlier than that I don't recall that name okay now, now but, uh, Bambi George Bamberger used you both as starter and reliever uh, how did you feel about that and how did you feel about George Bamberger as a skipper
2: uh george tried to help me out and get me to throw a split finger
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i uh, wished i could have thrown it but even though i've got a big hands i can't spread my fingers apart like that and uh, i tried it and it popped a nerve in my index finger
1: oh man
2: and i just couldn't i just couldn't do it um we had guys like Mike Scott, Jeff Reardon, and Neil Allen, uh, geez, all these guys down there in the bullpen, Eddie Glenn, uh, Hausman again. Yeah. Pete Falcone, uh, we had a lot of pitching. And, uh, what we thought was a lot of hitting. Henderson was still there, Mazzilli was in center, Youngblood was in right, uh, or Danny Norman.
1: Dan um, Norman, right?
2: You know, uh, Tavares was at short. Uh, some days you had Mankowski at third. Uh, every now and then you get Mike Jorgensen at first. Right. Crane Pool. Uh,
1: Eddie was, was still there. there. Yeah.
2: They. Uh, I, I. I thought they really uh, did Bruce Beauclair an injustice. Uh, he was a good hitter, good outfielder, and for whatever reasons, they—I don't know—they—they they had the guy signed to a three-year contract, and when it came time to give him a hundred thousand for his third year, they let him go. Yeah, released him.
1: That's the uh, Mets yeah, for you. That
2: was one of the darker sides of baseball because his wife was uh, about to have a baby.
1: That's true. Yeah, good. So yeah. Perhaps,
2: uh, one of the crummy parts of. The business
1: side of athletics. Now you, you've experienced what a lot of pitchers who pitch for the Mets experience, Pat, is a lack of run support. Now I've had conversations with other guys, Pete Falcone, about uh, Tom Seaver. What w- what his win total would have been if he played for another team that could hit? He lost so many one-run ball games. That, mm-hmm. Was that your situation as well with the Mets?
2: No. You know, you, you do what you can. Yeah. And I lost a couple of close games. Uh, on the other side of the coin, when I was with Cincinnati, I was uh, 0-4 against uh, the Astros. And uh, the only time I ever beat him was J.R. Richard in New York. And uh, I beat him 2-1. I mean, I go to Houston and I uh, just get stupid. And uh, I, if you got an extra second, I got a good story for you. Sure, go ahead, Pat. I was uh, two years ago. I was uh, watching the induction of the Astros Hall of Fame, and of course, there was Bagwell and Biggio, and now there's old teammate Mike Scott. Right. And I thought, God, that's, you know, really great that he went over there and did all that. And uh, look in the background, and they're about to announce Jose Cruz, and they show some of his exploits, and I'm at my sister's house eating barbecued ribs, at their kitchen table, and I turn and look into the living room at the TV set, and I'm giving up a two-run home run, three-run homer to Jose Cruz.
1: Oh, man.
2: And just about as you can imagine, I've got this rib right up at my mouth, and I just went, oh, spit. Yeah. And my <laughs> and my sister says, what? And I said, they just should be giving up a home run. And quick as it could be, my niece uh, runs over and grabs a remote and rewinds that portion of the program about 15 times. Oh, and they man. They all get a good laugh out, out of me giving up this home run. Yeah. Uh-huh. well I, you know, that's a family for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Way to rub it in, man. Now, at you, least the
2: food was good.
1: There you go. All right. Now, yeah, you spent two seasons with the Dodgers, uh, in relief, mostly, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Only started I think, once there. That's correct. Yeah, you did, and then uh, you were you were traded for Al Oliver, who he might be a Hall of Famer with, with the amount of hits that he should had. Be. Yeah, Al, be. he he could hit that guy.
2: Oh, good thing though?
1: Who, who, do you, who do you think you, uh, your toughest guy to face was? Who who had your number besides Jose Cruz? <laughs>
2: uh, oh, gosh. Uh, well, you know, I remember uh, striking Dave Kingman out a few times. But I can also remember him hitting about a 600-foot home off <laughs> on me down in uh, Chicago one night. Yeah. Same way with Mike Schmidt, Musynski. But in the old veteran stadium, there was a couple of bullseyes up in the upper deck where they hit balls off of me. Um, thank God they tore down the vet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Garvey, you know, my first year against the Dodgers, well, I beat them five times. But the next year or the next two years, when I was not as effective, those guys took me deep a few times. So, you know, what, what goes around comes around.
1: True, Pat. Yeah, you're okay. exactly right.
2: Gonna, every dog's going to have their day.
1: What would you say your That's most memorable moment in the bigs was?
2: Oh, gosh, without question. Uh, pitching in the World Series. Yeah. Picking Mickey Rivers off the of first base. Wow. I could have sworn I heard my father yelling from the upper deck. <laughs> Him and my sister and my mom and my niece were there. And uh, some guy bumped into my mother when they were leaving. <laughs> Must have been a Yankees fan. Yeah. My sister was threatening to whip his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and believe me, she wasn't joking.
1: Yeah, but oh, you don't want to go into Yankee Stadium rooting for the other team, Pat. You don't want to do no. that.
2: No, that's <laughs> yeah, especially, especially sitting up in there. Territory. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, when when I went over to field that butt and my spikes hung, and uh, I threw the ball anyway, and I was so lucky because it hit him right in the butt. And it just dropped. It didn't go running down the line, and he didn't go to second base. And uh, I remembered the scouting report that Ray Shore made up that said, hey, you know, this guy likes to take a walking lead. And I went into my wind-up, went halfway, and turned through the first base, and he was, sure enough, taking that walking lead, and yeah. I there him off. There you and, go. Uh, that, you know, that was that was a pretty satisfying moment, being able to go out there and uh, take a deep breath and relax for a minute, especially we- after you make a muff.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're, you're right now. We have a few minutes left, Pat. Who was your best teammate throughout
2: uh, your career? Oh, gosh. You know, I roomed with some guys in the minor leagues that were great. Uh, Will McEnany was a very close friend. Uh, Dale Murray was an old roommate. Mike Lum was my very first roommate in the major leagues.
1: Pinch hitter extraordinaire, He told me Mike a Lund. lot about
2: how to do things. And uh, all about a year and a half ago, I was sitting here one night kind of feeling sorry for myself, and all of a sudden the phone rings. It's about 8.30 at night, and it's Johnny Bench. Wow. And I hadn't spoken to him in years. And he just said, well, how are you?
1: Uh, oh, my goodness. Oh, by, uh, by the please, way, Pat, I, I did pass on uh, to Jay Horowitz your regards, and he, he was uh, telling Jerry Kuzman that, that uh, you sent your best.
2: Danny, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it.
1: No worries. It, appreciate we're We're out of time, Pat. It's been a real pleasure having you with us. Great, great job. Some tremendous stories. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday night to be with us up here in New York.
2: I appreciate you guys having me on. Let me know
1: anytime. Will do, Pat. You take care. That's Pat Zachary, folks. Well, that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Mike Cameron and Pat Zachary, my engineer, Brian Graves, and of course, you guys for joining us. See you next on Sunday evening, September 12th on the radio. Up next is Rob Kramer. Till then, Bill Donahue. Wishing you a good evening, folks.
0: Expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.